Yes, we won the McDonald decision in the Supreme Court, and right now we're going to be talking to Alan Gura, the attorney who argued it before the Supreme Court, and now he's going to tell us, what does this all mean? Well, well, happy birthday, America, the 4th of July. Can you believe it? Isn't this a wonderful thing? What a fabulous birthday present we've all just been given. Welcome again. Hey, this is Gun Talk, and I'm Tom Gresham. I am your host. This is a special 4th of July broadcast, and we're recording it a couple of days early so that we could have, well, frankly, we always wanted to let everybody on the staff have the 4th of July off. Uh, so don't bother calling in. Just settle back. Sit there on the beach, you know, flip the ribs on the barbecue, uh, open up a, an adult beverage and enjoy because we have quite the lineup for you today. We're going to be talking about our country's birthday gift that we got this week in the form of a Supreme Court decision. We're also going to be talking about, well, uh, we're talking with a U.S. Senator who's going to fill us in on a bill that he has introduced to make sure that our soldiers and sailors, our military people, retained retained their Second Amendment rights, their gun rights. Then we're going to switch over and talk about the National Training Week, which is uh, July the 4th, the whole week of July the 4th, so that uh, the whole idea is that you take people to the range, you go to the range, you introduce new people to the range, you get training, you give training, and maybe... And I'm going to be asking you to consider becoming a firearms instructor. So we'll be talking about National Training Week just a little bit later on as we go along here. But first, let's talk about this monumental thing that happened this week, actually on Monday. You've heard me talking about the McDonald case for some period of time. This is the follow-up case to the Heller decision. The Heller decision two years ago, that's when the Supreme Court said unequivocally, that the Second Amendment is an individual right. Well, that was huge, because while most of us believe that it was, in law up to that point, a lot of people thought, and all the law schools taught, that the Second Amendment guaranteed the right to have guns only to the states. Well, it didn't make any sense. It was stupid, is what it was. The whole idea that the federal government would guarantee that states or the government could have guns it made no sense whatsoever. So two years ago in the Heller decision, the Supreme Court said, no, the Second Amendment is an individual right. The problem was that decision only applied to federal enclaves or to the federal government. Of course, this was the suit that challenged the Washington, D.C. gun ban. So from that point forward, the federal government was constrained against infringing on your Second Amendment rights, but not states and not cities. That's what the McDonald case was all about. So fast forward to the McDonald case, which was just decided this Monday. We won, but the question is, what does it mean? Because there's a lot here. It's... As I described it to somebody, I said, it's a win, but it's messy is what it is. Well, let's at this point bring in the attorney, the lead attorney on the McDonald case, the lead attorney on the Heller case, both. He's been on here several times before. Alan Gura is right here with us. Hey, Alan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. I know that uh, it's been uh, uh, quite a couple of days for you after this decision has come in. 
Uh, what in the world have you been doing to celebrate? Well, I know what you've been doing. You've been filing more lawsuits. That's right. Uh, we <laughs> filed a new lawsuit uh, on Monday. We have a few more that are cooking in uh, different stages of development. Our new lawsuit actually challenges some some of the laws in the state of North Carolina. Right. Uh, North North Carolina, uh, of course, uh, suffers once in a while from hurricanes, tropical storms, and other weather events. And, of course, uh, like any place where there are human beings, Sometimes public order breaks down in the state, uh, under state law, whenever uh, a state of emergency has been declared, whenever the government says that uh, they cannot guarantee your safety and the police are, are probably not going to be available to you, you can't have guns. It's, biz- uh, it's bizarre. They say, we can't, we're not going to protect you, and we're going to make sure that you can't protect yourself either. <laughs> That's right. And so that makes no sense. One would imagine that if you have a right to, uh, to have guns, uh, the best reason for having a gun is self-defense. Uh, of course, there are some others, but you know that's that's the most compelling. That, that's one. number one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so nowhere, n- never do you have as much need for self-defense as when even the government admits that there's chaos and public order is broken down. And so to take people's guns away at a time when uh, when when there is a state of emergency, uh, to me is almost a contradiction of, of the purpose of well, having guns in the first place, and it's unconstitutional. So don't I remember that in North Carolina, King County recently declared an emergency, which meant you couldn't buy a gun, but you also couldn't carry your gun, even with your permit, because they expected a heavy snow? Well, this actually happens a lot in North Carolina. We've really? done some research, and actually, uh, since 2004, the governors of North Carolina have declared at least a dozen states of emergency. And usually when you read these proclamations, it says, well, there's a hurricane approaching the state. So uh, the entire state is in a state of emergency. Well, what does that mean? It means that automatically in the entire state, one may not carry a firearm. Uh, and uh, and it, uh, it also means that... Uh, uh, you can't you know, buy a gun. I think it stops the sale of guns too, does it not? Uh, if 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 those additional those are not automatic provisions. Those okay. provisions were uh, recently imposed in in the city of King when they okay. had their uh, snow uh, right. earlier this year. Uh, so people who declare a state of emergency, whether it's the governor or a county or a city, have the option also of banning firearm and ammunition sales. But right. automatically, by operation of state law, uh, you also uh, you, you may not carry a gun, and of course. Uh, this also, of course, makes hunting uh, illegal. I mean, suppose it's sure. uh, deer season or dove season, uh, there's a tropical storm on the way, and the governor in Raleigh has declared a, an emergency. Uh, well, I guess you're, you better not uh, not go out there, uh, even with your state-issued uh, hunting license. So, well, that's just not this a... law needs, needs to be changed. And, and you know, and I, I know that there's a plan in place to you know is the way you're going to have future laws. But I tell you what, let's do. I want to take a quick break here, Alan. And when we come back, if you would explain kind of what happened with McDonald, because there's still a lot of uh, questions, a lot of confusion, and as I say, it at least to us on the outside, it looks a little messy. So we'll, we'll tackle that when we come back. We're talking with Alan Gura, the lead attorney, the guy who just won us another huge case before the Supreme Court. This is Gun Talk, and I'm Tom Gresham. 
Taurus Millennium pistols feature lightweight, ease of use, and reliability. Now add raw 45 caliber power to that with the incredible PT-145, a subcompact auto with a full 10-round magazine. The PT-145 has a manual safety, the Taurus security system, and a great price. Only 23 ounces. The polymer frame, double action, only PT-145 is the best value in a compact 45. And you can get it with night sights. Check out the PT-145 at TAURUSUSA.com. Successful hunters know big bucks move early and late, often when it's too dark for common scopes. When that monster steps out, you might see him through the scope, but the crosshairs disappear. All that work and you can't take the shot. But with the Trigicon AccuPoint scope, you'll get the shot. Its bright aiming point glows in daylight or darkness. No batteries needed. AccuPoint scopes are water-resistant and nitrogen-filled, feature multi-layer coated lenses for the brightest image, and you can adjust brightness of the aiming point to match the conditions. Adding 10 or 15 minutes to each end of the day can double the magic moments when the trophies move. You can't hit the target if you can't see the sights. Trigicon AccuPoint scopes. Check out the different models at Trigicon.com or call 1-800-338-0563. Brilliant aiming solutions from Trigicon. Visit galleryofguns.com today. At galleryofguns.com, you'll find our huge wholesale inventory of firearms on sale through 3,000-plus dealers nationwide. Choose from thousands of models from manufacturers like Glock, Ruger, Smith & Wesson, Springfield Armory, and Taurus, to name just a few. Not an auction site. you receive access to a huge wholesale inventory of firearms with exact pricing and all fees are included. Visit galleryofguns.com today. Back with you here, Tom Gresham. It's Gun Talk. We're visiting with Alan Gura, the attorney who argued before the Supreme Court the Heller case, which we won two years ago, and the McDonald case, which we just got the decision on on Monday and got a good decision on that one, saying that the Second Amendment is applied against the states. That is, the states cannot uh, take away your Second Amendment rights. Alan, there's a lot of confusion with this one uh, because people are saying, well, they didn't exactly find the Chicago gun ban unconstitutional, they remanded it back to the Seventh Circuit, right? Yeah, well, technically, uh, what happened in the lower courts is that the lower courts held that we didn't even have a right that applied, and so that's the question that that went upstairs to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, yes, there is a right here, and now it sent the case back down so they can apply the right. Now, we all know what's going to happen. The Supreme Court, in the Heller opinion, already told us that Handgun bans are unconstitutional. Uh, that is the law of the land. That right applies, and so um, no, there's no way that the handgun ban is is going to survive. It's just a matter of mechanically having the file sent back to Chicago for the lower courts mm. to um, apply the right. And the very whatever else they do, obviously we we know for a fact that handgun bans don't survive. And so the handgun ban is going to be gone. It's going to be gone very soon. Even the mayor of Chicago said that uh, nobody believes that the handgun ban is enforceable. Now, and of course, we know that Chicago is going to do very much what D.C. did, try to put as many burdens, financial burdens, time burdens, anything they can in the way, make it expensive to get a permit to have a gun. They're already talking about one gun per person per household uh, in Chicago and a lot of other things. 
I, do they set themselves up for future litigation with this? Absolutely. And in fact, uh, uh, in D.C., when they tried to impose new, new uh, restrictions, lawsuits were filed. One of my lawsuits that I filed uh, challenging Washington, D.C.'s adoption of the uh, California handgun roster uh, actually was successful uh, in that uh, the city, before the, the case could be resolved, the city admitted that there were problems with that law, and they basically um, uh, changed it enough to, to avoid the lawsuit and greatly expanded the, the number uh, and variety of handguns that, that people could have. And so actually, the, the D.C. is uh, far more permissive than California now with, uh, with the kind of handguns you can hmm. have at least. It's not perfect, but, you know, we're working on it. Which, and likewise, I, I know there are other uh, restrictions in D.C. have been challenged, and those right. are in the courts right now. If Chicago uh, goes ahead and imposes some of these crazy restrictions, and they can expect to um, to continue the festivities, and they will lose. Uh, <laughs> and, and they will lose. And, and, and at some point, uh, the taxpayers uh, of Chicago may wish to engage in, in mayoral control. Uh, mayoral or, or regime change. Regime change, because <laughs> this is going to, at some point, this is going to become uh, a tab that they don't wish to uh, pay. Not, they don't want to pay all that. All right. Uh, I've heard people say that the McDonald case... And winning that actually may be more important than the Heller case. I'm wondering how you would characterize this win. Well, it is absolutely critical. The Heller case is fine. It's fantastic. It's excellent. It's all those things. But it only applies to people um, who are under the direct thumb of the federal government. So under Heller, the Congress and the President and the D.C. City Council cannot take your guns away. What this does is it makes sure that your local mayor cannot take your guns away. It doesn't do you much good if if uh, if Congress is restrained, but uh, the local police show up and and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, impose uh, unconstitutional laws. So now the Second Amendment is a normal part of the Bill of Rights. It's um, it's going to impact the way the gun laws are enforced. It's going to impact the kinds of laws that, that can exist, and so it it does in fact. Um, uh, alter things greatly because we know that in the United States, you know, most most uh, laws and of course most gun control laws operate at the local level. Right. And yeah, exactly. so uh, th- this is profound. And it's going to have a uh, wonderful impact, and uh, we are we are definitely uh, looking at uh, doing whatever we can to make sure that that we restore uh, full right to keep their arms uh, one lawsuit at a time. Let me ask you, before we go into the one lawsuit at a time, one other thing about uh, McDonald: Why is it important that they found the Second Amendment to be a fundamental right? Mm-hmm. Well, the, uh, the word fundamental is what uh, transforms a right from being just a, just a plain old right that uh, might exist nicely in theory into one which states have to honor uh, through the due process clause of the Constitution, not to bother the bore the uh, listeners with technicalities, but there are basically two theories by which the Fourteenth Amendment can apply uh, parts of the Bill of Rights to the states and localities. Uh, one of them is under the due process clause; another one is under what we call the, the privileges or means clause. Both were necessary here. We didn't have five votes for for any one particular method. Mm. Um, but uh, but the fact that it's fundamental means that we did get uh, the, the due process part of the equation nailed down. And it also means that the so-called level of review is going to be a tough one. That is, um, courts give rights different levels of respect. And when a right is fundamental, it usually has, it usually commands a, a t- 
tougher level of... of uh, so if somebody wants to abridge it, if somebody wants to restrict it, they're going to have to come up with a darn good reason. Yes, it's, it becomes a much more challenging test for the government okay. uh, to show that the regulation complies with, with that right. Okay, so we've, I mean, you immediately filed the suit in North Carolina challenging, and of course, being from Louisiana, I'm thinking about when North Carolina challenged, or when they declared emergency, you lose your gun rights, and of course, I immediately think of Hurricane Katrina. That was a great example of that, of, you know, the government saying, it's an emergency, we're just going to declare that you can't have guns. Well, I have to assume that you have a plan. You have, you know, probably a sheet of, okay, we're going to do this and this and this. Is this kind of like, it's either like peeling an onion or building something with building blocks. I don't know which one, but do you have a, you know, kind of a a marching order, a plan out there? Yes. Yes and no. I mean, we do want to bring uh, good cases. This is not, uh, the the biggest fear we have now, of course, I don't own the Second Amendment. Uh, I don't have a patent on it, and anybody could can file claims, and unfortunately, oftentimes, anyone just does. And so we we are bracing ourselves for perhaps lawsuits that are not uh, the most well thought out or, or uh, you know, silly claims by people who are mentally deranged. Uh, criminal defendants will be making uh, Second Amendment arguments in cases that are somewhat hopeless. And so when we have bad cases, they tend to make bad law. And, uh, well, of course, there are people who... Many other lawyers can bring good cases. I'm going to try to bring the good cases. Uh, well, could could well-meaning people bring cases they think are good and end up losing and setting bad precedent, which can hurt us? Absolutely. I mean, this is not something that should be done. <laughs> Don't do it yourself. Uh, strategic civil rights litigation is is a uh, is a is a specialty in a sense, and it is something that uh, uh, you know not uh, not everyone can do. I can do it. There are other lawyers who can do it. Uh, individuals working by themselves, uh, people operating out of a jail cell, usually don't do it that great. Uh, uh, if, if someone is out so. there thinking, you know, oh, here's we've got a law here, and I know that we can challenge it, because I've got uh, Bubba over here who went to law school, and we'll just do this. If somebody no. is <laughs> thinking about that, could they not at least coordinate or check in with you and the Second Amendment Foundation and say, okay, What's going on? This is what we're thinking about. Would you at that point say, guys, we really wish you wouldn't because we're, we've got some other things going on? Is that Sure. I, I, I tell that to people all the time, and people sometimes people have a messiah complex, and they don't really care. <laughs> uh, but, you know, yes. again, if, if, you're, if there's something you're thinking about, talk to me, talk to some, you know, or, or talk to any other, uh, uh, you know, lawyer who's done civil rights cases in a strategic sense, and and, uh, you know, be careful. But I can tell you from my perspective, I do have other plans. Uh, there are things we're working on. We will file them when they're ready. Uh, obviously, I can't talk about uh, no. anything until it's I would hope not. Done, but but, <laughs> but right. you, will see, you will see future cases. You will see other things uh, coming out there. And we are looking uh, at good opportunities. I think North Carolina uh, litigation is a good opportunity to move the law in a healthy direction. I have a few other ideas. Um, uh, I have other cases going on in other parts of the country, and so we're going to try to do the best job that we can well, in moving the ball forward. It's a process. Now, if you crystal ball this for us, and you say, okay, we're now in the year 2020, uh, having had 10 years of McDonald on the books and all the cases that have come, where do you see us in 10 years? How has the landscape changed for the Second Amendment and the scholarship on the Second Amendment? 
think it's going to change dramatically. I mean, we are going to make, there are other big areas that need to be explored that we need to get good, a good case law on. Uh, I do think that Americans will, uh, will be enjoying more freedom. Uh, it's not a perfect solution. Remember, we don't have um, any part of the Constitution that has been perfectly interpreted, okay? The Supreme Court has not gotten all of its First Amendment cases correctly. They have not correctly decided all the Fourth Amendment cases, and so I think it's unrealistic to expect that they'll get all the Second Amendment cases right, too. Uh, I hate to say it, but I don't think that we can... Oh, that's just realistic. Know. It's realistic that sometimes courts make mistakes. Mm-hmm. However, uh, so long as we win the bigger ones and we win enough of them and in the right order, then I think that we can secure a very, very powerful right uh, for Americans uh, into the future. For those who don't study this, a hundred years ago, the First Amendment was a pretty weak right, and it took a period of years and literally decades to establish the strength of the First Amendment, and it seems to me we're well on our way to doing that with the Second Amendment now. That's right. Uh, it does take time. Uh, it's not going to be overnight, uh, but we're on the right path. We have two wonderful victories within two years for the Supreme Court. The Court has made it very clear that this is a real right. It has teeth. Uh, it applies to everybody, and now we're going to go out and use it, and we're going to see what it looks like. Again, right. it's, it's not a finite process. We're never going to be done with uh, with litigating the Second Amendment, just like we're never going to be done litigating any other part of the Constitution. Oh, I, I got a quick question for you. Sure. Uh, if the court changes and we become, I mean, obviously this is a 5-4 decision, if it flips over and we know that we've got a strong liberal bent to the court, could somebody bring this back and basically overturn Heller and McDonald? Yes, in theory that is possible. We did have a number of justices the other day who wanted to overturn Heller already. Um, uh, I believe that the Heller decision and the McDonald decision will stand the test of time because they're correct and because they obviously are, make compelling sense. And as years go by, people will wonder what the controversy was about because mm-hmm. it's also clear. However... We do need to watch out, not just for the Supreme Court, but also for the lower federal courts. The president right. does not merely appoint justices here in Washington, oh. but also federal judges throughout the land who often toil in relative secrecy or obscurity. And, and but nonetheless, they're, they're the that, ones that get selected. That's exactly right. Alan, I, I'm out of time here. Uh, we got to do it again. We just don't do this often enough, my friend. Oh, uh, anytime. All right, we will do that. Alan Gura, thank you so much. Congratulations. Attaboy, high five, the whole deal. Man, you, you are the man, i got to tell you. Thank you so much. Hey, don't go far. When we come back, a U.S. senator right here on Gun Talk. Welcome back to Gun Talk. I tell you what, we are having so much fun today. Well, by the way, happy 4th of July. Open yourself a cool adult beverage or a non-adult beverage, whatever it is you want. You know, just uh, flip those burgers, get those ribs going, throw some chicken on the barbie, and don't forget... Put that American flag up. If you didn't put it up early this morning, get it up out there somewhere because, well, it's important. If, uh, if, Nothing else that makes you feel good, but I'll guarantee you stick it out in front of your house, it makes everybody else feel good, too. It's the right thing to do. We just finished talking with Alan Gura, the attorney who argued the McDonald case before the Supreme Court. 
he won the case, which is huge, uh, truly a, an even more important decision than the Heller case two years ago, where the Supreme Court notified the country. They served notice that the Second Amendment is an individual right, that individuals, you and I, we have the right to own guns. Huge deal. Oh, by the way, there's a interesting thing. Talk about uh, summer celebrations. We've got several of these. I'll be reading a few of these just to give you some information. But there are some sales going on, some special things happening. I see, let's see, Sturm Ruger. Ruger has a, a special, they call it the 357 Ways to Win. They've got their new Ruger LCR, that the, the light compact revolver, now in 357 Magnum revolver, uh, 357 Magnum cartridge. Uh, let's see. As part of the sweepstakes, 357 items with the LCR 357 brand are going to be given away. Just go to the Ruger website, Ruger.com, and you can see what they're up to. A lot of there's several different companies are giving away stuff, doing things. It's uh, pretty interesting. So uh, check that out. At this point, let me bring in uh, our guest. It is uh, really a pleasure to bring in United States Senator from the state of Oklahoma, Jim Inhofe, is with us. Senator, how are you, sir? Well, I'm good. It's an honor to be with you. Well, I really appreciate it. Uh, you and I have—we actually share some interest. Um, I, in fact, you're probably the only guy I've ever interviewed who's actually lost a prop in flight. <laughs> I'm the only one in America who ever has. Tom, this is—it's uh, kind of strange the way it happened, but um, uh, you know, a lot of people will lose an engine or something like that. But to have a propeller and half the engine come off. That's a, that's an experience that's different. I mean, the propeller literally came off and fell to the ground. Now, you were able to put it down on the airport, I gather. Well, let me just tell you, uh, the story is interesting because um, I was not a Bill Clinton fan, and this happened the last year that he was in office, uh, about the last year. <laughs> this is getting he, better as we go. Well, he was going to come to Oklahoma, and uh, we had had a tornado there, and so he was going to go to, to uh, Tinker Air Force Base. I have a place up on the lake that we have a little airport, a little grass strip, and I've been in aviation for over 50 years, so I've got a lot of airplanes. And Mm -hmm. people were saying, well, here Bill Clinton, President Clinton, is coming into the state of Oklahoma, and Jim Inhofe hates him so much that he's going to snub the president and not show up. Well, Uh I wasn't going to let that happen. So that morning I got up, and, and it had been raining the night before. It was a grass strip, so I had to take my kid's airplane instead of mine. Halfway down, not quite halfway down, we were flying over Claremore, which is the birthplace of Will Rogers. Mm-hmm. And uh, right after that, about five miles past that, uh, this terrible vibration, I did a mag check and I figured, oh, it's got to be a broken prop. And all of a sudden, the prop came off. And with not just the prop now, Tom, the prop and the five wheel, about 300 pounds of stuff. Well, what people so I, don't I understand turned around and made it back to the airport and, and came in. And uh, I had to land real fast, of course, because I lost all that weight off the front. Right. Now, what I didn't know was when the prop came off, it knocked the nose wheel off. And so I thought I made a pretty good landing until I put the nose wheel down, and that and that was the end of it. It kept going down and down. Now, but the the part of the story that I, people don't know about was who found the prop. Oh, my gosh. How do you remember that? I know that, things about you, oh. Senator. <laughs> okay, Tom, let me finish the story then. I, I was I was at Claremore Airport, and the phone was ringing, and it happened that somebody from AP was there and took a picture of all this, but the phone was ringing, and a guy said, is this Claremore Airport? And I said, yeah, and I, he said, well, did somebody lose a prop? And I said, 
Well, yeah. He said, well, it darn near killed me. I said, put it in your truck and come up here. Well, he drove in. He looked at me. And he said, well, Jim Inhofe. And I looked at him, and I said, well, G.W. Curtis. I, I had gone to high school with this guy and hadn't <laughs> seen him since the 1950s. And oh I almost heaven. killed this guy. The prop landed about three feet away from him when he was in his farm truck. So wow. now there, there's a good ending to this story, and that okay. is that was a perfectly legitimate reason why I didn't show up uh, down at Tinker Air Force Base, and I knocked Bill Clinton off the front page of every newspaper in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> so you made a safe landing, and you so you had a bonus to the whole deal. I did, I yeah. did. It was a great day. <laughs> <laughs> well, Senator, can, I need to uh, take a quick break. Can I ask you just to hold? Or we've oh, got, sure. We got some I'm important not going things. Anywhere. Okay, we got some important things to talk about here. Uh, I am visiting with Senator Jim Enhoff from the state of Oklahoma. He is uh, one of the true good guys. Let me just tell you. Without a doubt, when we come back, we're going to be talking about some of the things he's been up to. And it's pretty important stuff as it relates to the Second Amendment and protecting the Second Amendment rights of our men and women in the military forces. Right back with more Gun Talk. Hey, want to get that huge Brownells catalog for free? Now you can get this source for parts, cleaning products, gunsmith supplies, and tools for just a phone call. Brownells is famous for selection, service, and satisfaction. Tell them you heard about it on Tom Gresham's Gun Talk, and they'll send it to you for free. Call 1-800-741-0015. 1-800-741-0015. 1-800-741-0015. The Brownells catalog for free. 1-800-741-0015. What's a must-have for your self-defense handgun? It's Crimson Trace laser sights. Crimson Trace laser sights fit ergonomically with the handgun and are instinctively activated. When you grip the gun, the laser turns on. So good that 99% of customers would recommend Crimson Trace to family and friends. For more info, go to CrimsonTrace.com. That's CrimsonTrace.com. Lots of people are interested in handgun shooting, but they don't know how to get started. First Shots is a new program designed by the National Shooting Sports Foundation to do just that. But NSSF needs your help. Right now, many newcomers are looking for seminars, but there just aren't enough. So if you're an active shooter, a range owner, or a firearms instructor, log on to FirstShots.org and get involved by hosting a First Shots seminar. At FirstShots.org, you'll find everything you need to get started. You want the newest rifle innovations, and that's what the Smith & Wesson iBolt rifle delivers. From the match-grade barrel to the one-piece weaver scope mount, this gun defines the next generation of rifles. Your iBolt rifle includes patented features such as the easy-turn bolt release, true-set trigger so you can set it the way you want it, recoil reduction chamber, X-bed stock design, its stronger, lighter, and flush sling mounts. Get the details on the iBolt rifle from Smith & Wesson. Visit smith-wesson.com. All right, welcome back to Gun Talk. I'm Tom Gresham. We're visiting with United States Senator Jim Inhofe from the state of Oklahoma. He is uh, on the Standing Committee of Armed Services. He's also on the Foreign Relations Committee, uh, Environmental and Public Works Committee. He is uh, a true American. And Senator, I don't. I know that you don't generally tell the media about this, but I hope you don't mind if I share that every once in a while, on a regular basis, sometimes you just kind of disappear. And uh, you go places and visit our, our our men and women in the armed forces. 
it's uh it's a good thing you do there. Do we have well, a you know, Tom, it's it's very important people understand that our constitution is very explicit. It talks about we have a civilian run military. It's not like many countries. And there's a reason for this. If you get out in the field, I make it a point to go either I just got back from Iraq. We go to Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, Africa. There's a lot of activity now going down terrorism, going down through the Horn of Africa. So I go over, instead of going to these, I go to the hearings when they're here, too, of course. But, like, we just had uh, General Petraeus at a hearing. I think the world of him, he'll, he's, he's the right one for this job. But I also like to go over there and sit down in the mess hall and go out in the field and just talk to the guys uh, as as they're out there, that's how you find out what's really going on. I'll give you an example. Okay. This whole MRAP thing, we would not have done if I we hadn't had a chance to go over there just as an individual and sit down and see what the where our frailties are. We are now experiencing the most uh, uh, anti-military president uh, probably in the history of this country. And so when he disarmed America with his first budget. Uh, I, I went over just to find out, you know, where the problems were. MRAP is a good example. We would, never would have been able to get the MRAP uh, if they hadn't, we hadn't discovered that in the field. So it's worth going over and, and doing it. I'm glad a lot of our listeners are interested in this because what is happening right now, the number one function of government should be to defend America. And uh, when you get a liberal like we have in the White House now, uh, a true liberal doesn't think you need a military anyway. And so uh, he's done a lot of things in, in terms of, of uh, terminating the, you know, the F-22 program, the C-17 program, the future combat system. And speaking of guns, uh, there are such things as an endless cannon. Uh, we have, there are five countries that make a better cannon than we have. What we have is a paladin, and that's World War II technology. And he, um, he stopped the program for us to advance that system. But the worst thing that he did was pull out the ground-based interceptor in Poland. Uh, right now, we just discovered, I, I've known for quite some time, that Iran is getting very close, dangerously close, to having ICBM capability of sending in a delivery system, sending a, a nuke over to, um, to the United States, the Eastern Coast, or to Western Europe. And uh, that was going to be our defense against that. And, of course, he took that out. So I call that the disarming of America in a second way. We'll, we'll talk about how he's trying to disarm America well, so, so you're, on, you're saying, on handguns and rifles right, and that right. type of thing. You're, you're saying Iran, Iran almost is just about there with an ICBM that can reach the United States, the, the continental U.S.? Yes. Well, yeah, our, uh, it's not even classified. Prior to two days ago, we had said that uh, our our intelligence told us that they'd have that capability by 2015. However, what happened with Panetta's announcement yesterday is that that's moved up, and we're just about a year away. So they would have that capability, and that is that is what I, I think of all the disservice that this president has done to America and to my 20 kids and grandkids, is the fact that he pulled out that we're in the middle of constructing a ground-based interceptor in Poland that would have the capability of knocking down anything that he would send toward the United States uh, from Iran. Uh, so that's, that's wow. a threat that is out there that is uh, really critical. The only reason I go into that is because you mentioned that I do go out in the field and, right. and well, spend and, time and, with and these you, kids. And you do it without calling attention to it. You don't you know, call press conferences. You just go out there and I spend time alone. with the troops. 
I like to go alone because it offends me when I see all these members going over in groups and then they get the photo ops and all this stuff. But uh, it's a serious thing. I went through the same thing. I was in the United States Senate during the uh, during the um, the Clinton administration. And I have to say, and I know it sounds blatantly partisan to a lot of our listeners right now, but defending America becomes quite a partisan issue. All you have to do is look and see where the appropriations have been in to, uh, to the defense system and our modernization programs during a Democrat administration versus a Republican administration. And I think most people listening to us now can remember the euphoric attitude after when they said the Cold War is over now, we no longer need a strong military, and what Kennedy called at that time a peace dividend. Right. So, so it is. It's kind of like gun ownership. It's almost a hundred percent partisan issue. Well, I'm just going to say that we, yeah, we, we just saw been. that with the Supreme Court decision this week, and this you talk about uh, what a president can do in terms of loading up the Supreme Court, and uh, if it had gone one way the other way, or one vote the other way on the Supreme Court, we end up. Uh, well, we lose the Second Amendment. Is what it amounts to. Well, that, that's right, Tom, and it, it, it's it's it, it's a real threat that's out there. And if you look, these are five four decisions. Right. Now, this uh, I, I'm the only member of the United States Senate who publicly came out in opposition to the confirmation of Kagan. And the reason I did is because I opposed her back when she, when she was up for Solicitor General, and I have a policy that. If I have reason to oppose an, a, a nominee, and that nominee goes for a higher position, it's automatic that I would uh, oppose that one. And of course, I think you know what she has done: her well, disdain for the military and she, all that. Is she going to get confirmed? Oh yeah, she'll get confirmed. Yeah, the Democrats control everything here right now, and I, I know that Jeff Sessions uh, has, has uh, from Alabama has done a great job right. of bringing in, bringing to the public uh, eye how bad she is in some of these areas, mm-hmm. but uh, they have the votes clearly. They've had the votes in the beginning. In fact, I think it'll happen It'll happen in the next few days. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, Senator, I tell you what, if you could stay with us, I, I, I backed us up against another break, and we got to talk about uh, your bill, S-3388, which yes, is... Yes, uh, that's the main reason that uh, I think you important. called me, and I yeah, well, do want to talk about that. It is, but, I, but I love talking about it. I love I'll talking stay with about you this. as long as you need. Okay, sounds good. In the meantime, I got to tell people, uh, you're the only U.S. senator I know of that has flown his very own plane with an experimental unleaded aviation fuel too. Oh, I've done that. I thought you were talking about my trip uh, when I flew around the world. No, well, that that this, too. This aviation fuel. If you have many people interested in aviation, we have the ability to crank that out right here in Oklahoma, That's down right. in Ada, Oklahoma. And yes, I have tried that, and I'm still here. See, uh, George and Tim are good friends of mine down there in Ada. Oh. Oh my gosh! Well, I, I'm, you know, they're the best kept secret in Oklahoma. You go anywhere. I, I'll be in the Farm Bureau Air Show here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. They'll all be talking about George and Tim and Ada, Oklahoma, and yet people in Oklahoma don't don't know who they are. I agree. They, there's two guys in we call it three letter town, Ada, Ada, Oklahoma, who have changed the face of general aviation. Uh, completely, we all fly our planes differently than we used to because of what they're doing, and they are smart beyond belief. Oh, and their, we, their injection system is known worldwide. It, it is. Sir, hold on a second. We'll take our break. When we come back, I promise we're going to talk about your bill when we come back. We're talking with Senator Jim Inhofe, and it sounds like he and I could talk for quite a while about between guns and airplanes and politics and uh, defense and the military. Uh, talk about one of the good guys. Well, when's the last time you had a senator who goes on trips to visit with the military to find out what's going on and does not take the media with him. 
as opposed to some there who will run over you to find a TV camera. This is Gun Talk. We'll be right back. Right. Happy 4th of July to you. We're back. We're visiting with Senator Jim Inhofe from Oklahoma. He was named NRA Man of the Year. Now, Senator, your bill, S-3388, ex- describe what that is and what, it, what it's going to do for our military people. Oh, okay, I, I, I will, and it's important because not many people are aware of this, Tom, but when that terrible thing happened down at Fort Hood where that nut killed all these uh, soldiers and mm-hmm and wounded about 30 in addition to the ones that he killed, immediately there's always an overreaction to something like that. And so they started trying to change the gun laws in areas that are on on military establishments. I agree that there should be restrictions on military establishments. But what they did, like in, in uh, Fort Riley, Kansas, the military person, they passed something that would cause military personnel to register all their privately owned firearms and the firearms of family members that are stored in their residence. Now, the residence, we're not talking about on a base. Right. We're talking about in their homes or within the state of Kansas with their unit commander. Well, that's taking away the Second Amendment rights from our people just because they happen to be serving our country. And, uh, And so I introduced an amendment uh, a freestanding amendment, which we didn't get up until we had the Senate Armed Services Authorization. It's called the National Defense Authorization Bill, mm-hmm. and that was just a few days ago. And it's, it hasn't passed yet, but it will before the end of this session. And in that, I said that the, 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 no uh, no city or state can infringe upon the uh, Second Amendment rights of anyone because they are in the service or near a service location. So it doesn't affect, uh, you know, there should be restrictions as to guns carried on uh, military bases. Well, yeah, well, what they do on base is one thing. to tell people these that, are people at home. Yeah, they're, they're saying you have to register your guns with the military even though you're not bringing the guns on base. And, oh, by the way, the members of your family have to do this too? That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous, but, but, but they did it. Uh, I think, you know, I was talking to my, my, my son. I'm, my name is James Mountain Inhofe. He's James Mountain Inhofe the second. In fact, when he had his son, James Mountain Inhofe the third, we went when he was four days old and took him to his first gun show and bought his first gun. I have to say that. So we had three James Mountain Inhofe's walking around the <laughs> love air show. It. I love it. Uh, uh, let me, real quickly, I've got yes, to get sir. this point across before Please. this thing is over. Right, because we're going to run short of time. Please do. Well, yeah, I'm concerned, very much concerned. You've seen how uh, ammunition sales have gone up. People are scared to death over what uh, Obama is going to do, and he would do anything that he could. We remember uh, during the Clinton years when he signed the 1994 semi-automatic weapons ban into law and uh, banning 19 types of semi-automatics, I might say, and then the five-day waiting period, which now has been changed. But nonetheless, that was during Clinton. That was the Democrat administration. Worse than that is what's happening right now. And the old, uh, I think, when you've been talking on your show about the SIFTA treaty mm-hmm. to try to give countries in the Western Hemisphere power over what we can do in the United States of America in terms of manufacturing uh, firearms. The theory behind that is, yes, crime is bad in Mexico, but they buy their guns in America. And so that is something that is being pushed by the Obama administration 
uh, and also to reinstate the ban on the sales of, of uh, semi-automatics. Yep, exactly. So that's, we know watch that's what they want to do. And keep talking now uh, to these people so they understand that don't rest easy. I believe that the Republicans will take over the House and the Senate in, in, Dece- in November, but we'll still have him as president, and he's still going to yep. be uh, very, very, as well as anti-defense, anti-gun, uh, anti-Second Amendment also. Senator, can we get you on again sometime? This was great. I'd like to do that and uh, kind of draw the connection. There's a, there's a similarity between people who are concerned about defending America and defending the Second Amendment rights. Let's do I, that. I agree entirely. Thank you so much, Senator. It was a true pleasure. Well, have a great Fourth of July. Thanks so much. Senator Jim Inhofe from Oklahoma. Boy, Oklahoma, those folks are lucky there. Hey, don't go anywhere. we got more Fourth of July gun talk coming up. I'm Tom Gresham. Mm-hmm.